0: Hi, Elm City Vineyard family. Mariah here. Unfortunately, due to some technical issues, the first few minutes of Matt's sermon this week was lost, but we do have the majority of it, and I hope that this sermon still encourages you and still blesses you. So please enjoy. Um, heard all kinds of different ways of sharing the good news of what God is doing in the world, what God has done for us in Jesus the four spiritual laws, the bridge diagram, the Romans Road. You could maybe draw something else on a napkin, whatever, whatever it is that you may have run into. But I actually think this is the oldest gospel presentation in the history of the church. Um, and I feel pretty confident about that in as much as it was preached like, in the sermon at the founding of, of the church. This gospel that begins with the thought, you killed Jesus. So we'll pick it up in Acts 2, verse 22, if you have a a Bible on your phone and you're so inclined, uh, you could read along. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I'll probably skip around a little bit. You'll notice if you have your phone out. I'll try to tell you when I jump. So Peter says, to all the folks who are gathered around, they've seen these signs and wonders, and they're wondering what it all means. And he says, you that are Israelites. Well, first he says, this is what was spoken of in the prophet Joel. Um, I defy you to go read the passage he, he, he cites in the prophet Joel and think that from that you could imagine what Pentecost looks like. Um, but once Pentecost happens, then you go read Joel and you're like, okay, yeah, that's what's happening. All right, so he's done that bit. And then he says, you that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of god you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law but god raised him up having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power Let skip down quite a bit down in verse 36 therefore let the entire house of israel know with certainty that god has made him both lord and messiah this jesus whom you crucified now when they had heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and to the other apostles brothers what should we do now, I wanna pause right here, and I want us to understand this. Um, I take it these folks are not asking an idle question, nor is it, I don't think, that they were really impressed with Peter's sermon and interested in buying whatever it was that he was selling. I, I think at least at the first level, the fact is they are simply afraid. They are freaked out. They, they, have, they have been told that they killed the Son of God and that God vindicated that son by raising him from the dead. And maybe if you, all you have to do is sort of imagine the world of like a superhero movie or, or the world of mobsters or gangsters, put yourself in one of those films, someone that you have killed, or someone oh, let's say in this case, someone you thought you had killed is actually still alive. And he and his posse like know that you were involved. You are feeling threatened at that moment. And in fact, in the ancient world, there were these sorts of, there these sorts of myths going around. Um, around the time, actually well, sometime between when this happened and when Luke uh, wrote this account, um, there was this story, uh, this rumor going around that the emperor Nero, and uh, a horrible ruler of, of Rome, uh, emperor of Rome, that he wasn't, that yes, he had died, but he was going to be coming back. And he would be settling scores with anybody who had messed with him. These are the sorts of cultural paradigms. But again, I don't think we have to go that far. We can think about this ourselves. And sometimes I think we get too close to these things. They get too familiar to us and we miss what should be obvious, right? Listen again to Peter's closing lines without your religious filter on. Try listening with like, like your mobster hat on let the entire house of israel know with certainty let you uh, you ought to know that god has made him both lord and messiah this jesus whom you crucified do you hear it now they are freaked out luke says they were cut to the heart it literally says they were it says they were stabbed in the heart um they and uh, a a possible meaning here is they were like super anxious they were nervous what have they done even more to the point what is jesus going to do now that god has raised him from the dead according to sort of a dominant way of thinking about violence it is time for revenge now these folks should have known better These were uh, good religious Jews. That's why Peter keeps calling them Israelites, even though Israel, um, in a political sense, hadn't been around for centuries. All these folks needed to do was think back to the story that we read last week in Genesis, the story of Cain and Abel, the first murder, when when first the blood cried out. The blood of Abel, murdered by his brother, Cain, cries out to God. And how does God respond? Does God exact vengeance on Cain? No. On the other hand, does God say it's no big deal? No, the blood cries out, God is cut to the heart, but God's response is to move toward the pain, certainly to name and call out the injustice, to heed the cry of the blood crying out, but also to move toward the killer in mercy. So these folks could have known should have known god is not a god of vengeance perhaps but perhaps they were thinking unconsciously if nothing else perhaps they were thinking well god responded with with mercy when it was someone else's son but perhaps god might be less forgiving when it comes to god's own son and and in fact the bible suggests it is different for god but not not in the way that these folks fear the book of hebrews um, a sermon of the ancient church it says it this way because you have not come to something that can be touched but you have come to jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of abel that the blood of jesus also cries out that doesn't change the blood cries out. God never turns a blind eye to violence. So the blood of Jesus also speaks. But the text says it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. How so? It speaks a word even better than mercy. And, 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 and I think that means two things and we'll just look at them sort of one at a time and, and, that'll, and that'll, be, that'll be it. The first is it means that the blood of Jesus does speak a word of mercy. It's not less than the blood of Abel. It's not different or other than the blood of Abel. It's better than the blood of Abel. It includes what the blood of Abel says. It does speak a word of mercy. But second, it means that the blood of Jesus affects something even greater than mercy. So first, God has mercy on all of us who killed the Son of God jesus raised from the dead has not returned to seek vengeance on his enemies and 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 that i i I, again I, i worry that we're it's it feels like too too obvious to us but i don't want to move past that too quickly because jesus jesus with every right of retribution Right? Killed with, uh, while entirely innocent, murdered by a collaboration of corrupt people and an unjust system, cut down in his crime by the machinery of colonial oppression, aided and abetted by those whom he came to serve. If there was ever a justifiable basis for retaliation, Jesus has it. If there ever was a man justified in taking a life for a life, this is it. If ever there was a case where the logic of the streets, a death for a death could be defended, this is it. But Jesus did not seek vengeance. Though he might've been justified in doing so, though he had all the power and opportunity to do so, though he was in every way strong enough to do so. Even though his blood cries out, Jesus rose not for vengeance but for mercy. And as we'll see in a moment, for love. I want us to pause for a moment and imagine how this one truth might transform cycles of violence in our city and in our nation. That while The blood cries out, while blood cries out, it does not cry out for vengeance. Even the most innocent blood, even the most unjust death. The strongest man ever to walk the earth, literal God among mortals. The strongest man ever to walk the earth did not seek vengeance. And he became not weaker, but stronger for doing so. Imagine how this would transform our city's streets and break seemingly unending cascades of death, cascades that say that if the blood cries out, someone has to die. My question for for, for us in this this part is is to just ask this, are, are we preaching this simple gospel? It's only half of the gospel really but we'll get to the other half in a moment but are we preaching even this simple gospel that could literally I think save lives? And I, I probably at least in my life the relevant question is have I put myself in place in places where I could preach this life-saving message of Jesus' mighty mercy? We've gone and put ourselves like in on which half of those two the 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 sort of proverbial sort of paired neighborhoods in new haven but i also wonder like have we taken this message in ourselves maybe we're not tempted to spill literal blood maybe our our class identities have insulated us from these sort of stakes of literal life and death but but how many of us still feel the need to take a pound of reputational flesh when we see something unjust being done how many of us leap, leap to verbal violence and character assassination when it comes to people whose actions or politics or whatnot we see ca- causing genuine harm? And how many of us feel justified in being justified? How, how often do we leave the way of Jesus behind because we think that justice triumphs over mercy rather than God somehow finding a way to, 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 to? to pursue both because all we can hear is the blood crying out and we don't understand that we follow a God who both acknowledges that the blood cries out and nevertheless persists in mercy that's the thing that needs to go deep for me personally even as I am, 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 am curious about what God is doing in leading me, leading us, and thinking about how this gospel, what this gospel might have to do with this question of, 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 of violence in our city. But this is only half of, of this gospel. This is just God not abandoning God's principles when the blood that cries out is God's sons rather than simply the blood of God's creature. The blood of Jesus speaks the word that Abel's does. It speaks mercy, but the blood of Jesus speaks also a better word than the blood of Abel. The ancient church planter Paul writes about this better word, I think, in his letter to the church in Rome the church at the heart of the political power that spilled the blood of jesus in romans it's in chapter 5 verses 6 through 10 he says for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly it's interesting he says weak by the end we're on god by the end of that sentence we're ungodly while well, we were still ungodly. <laughs> the right time. Christ died for us. Okay. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. But perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we still were sinners christ died for us much more surely then now that we have been justified by his blood will we be saved through him from the wrath of god for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to god if while we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son how much more surely having been reconciled will we be saved by his life Take it there, there it is again, the gospel of you killed Jesus. We weren't just like, you know, doing our own thing. And then God sort of recruits us into God's thing. We were Paul says God's enemies. We had made ourselves God's enemies. We would be right to wonder in a certain sense, if we misunderstood God's character, whether God's next move might not be revenge the blood of Jesus cries out. But Jesus' blood speaks a better word, and here we get the whole thing, not just mercy, but love. God proves God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, ungodly, while we were enemies, Christ died for us and reconciled us to God. This is the core of the gospel, that Jesus somehow dies both for us and at our hands. God doesn't just respond with mercy to the cry of Jesus' blood from the cross. Rather, the blood itself speaks a word of love. We were, and apart from the good news of Jesus, we remain God's enemies. We neglect, I neglect, and even oppose the good things of God at times in my life. I participate in and am complicit in oppressive systems that oppose the good things of God and, in the end, put to death the very life of God in our midst, in the person of Jesus. In this sense, we ourselves, we opposed, we were the enemies we killed, we opposed God's work violently. And it is this man, Jesus, whom we killed, whom God raised from the dead and made both Lord and Messiah. And his blood cries out. Jesus is back, as we said last week, or a couple of weeks ago at at Easter. Jesus is risen, and he is pursuing us, not out of vengeance, but for the sake of love. He is pursuing us, chasing us down in the risen Christ. God is pursuing us in love, and not even our enmity, not even our violence will deter him this is radical far from vengeance god is seeking relationship and the radicality of this response was not lost on paul paul who himself had killed had spilled blood taking the lives of christians before jesus stopped him in his tracks not to seek revenge but pursuing him in love calling him to build the church it's radical this pursuit of love in response to the blood that cries out and in a certain sense this letter of romans that i just read from that whole letter is in many ways just a defense of the possibility that this could be just that this could be righteous this mercy and love of god in response to our violent enmity romans is a defense of the righteousness of god this radical response of merciful love, how could it possibly be that God can satisfy the demands of justice and also uh, uh, be this loving, merciful God? I don't have time to recapitulate the whole argument. But I think it's true that God is both love and just as we sang in worship this is the good news for us this day every day that in the spilled blood of Jesus God is not only foregoing vengeance and foregoing God's right of retribution but pursuing us in love and not even our violent enmity will stop him there are a few ways I think we might we might respond one and maybe this is, is sort of a call back to the uh, to what I began with but I, I think one possible response would be to... to to join us, me this Saturday, for the liturgy for the homicide for Kieran Jones. Um, 3 p.m. corner of Orchard Place and Charles Street. As Josh said, Kieran was a a college-bound student at Hill House High School, um, just a couple blocks from our house in Beaver Hills. it's good for us to be there and to pray in advance, to ask the Lord what God may do there. To pray for um, if we're not part of it to pray for the non-violence group that's meeting and prepare, and, and planning these things. Pray for that group that God will give them insight and lead us as a community in the ways that they, um, that they are in the ways that God will lead them to. That would be one, one way of responding. Another possible way of response would be, um, maybe, for, maybe for you, the right next step is to take steps to share this good news of mercy and love in your neighborhood. God interrupts cycles of violence with mercy. God inverts cycles of violence with love. That somehow takes our violence and turns it into occasion for love, for God's love pursuing us hunches there are people in your life who need um to hear that simple message whether that's in a sort of like emergency like god has given like a way that like that cycles of violence can end um or whether that's in a way of hey we don't we don't need to we don't need to do other other sorts of violence to one another in the name concerns um, about justice god has other ways of attending somehow god has this way of attending to to to, to justice while also pursuing love and that's just good news and i'm curious about that are you curious about that i'm puzzled by that are you puzzled by that maybe we could chase that down together just be prepared this week for opportunities to share that um, to share that simple message be prepared this week for moments in which God is asking you to lean into and to receive that simple message. Finally, for some here today, I think the right next step would be to respond to that good news yourself. Um, I wonder whether there's there's some here today who have been experiencing that sort of persistent pursuit of God in your life. Um, God is pursuing you in love and and neither your distraction, nor your disinterest, nor your even opposition will keep God from pursuing you in love. That has been my experience. God is persistent and chasing after us in love. And if that's been your experience today, then maybe, maybe, maybe today is the day to, to, to just turn or turn around, and face this God who's been chasing you down, and say yes to to enter into a way of life oriented around, oriented around this violence, interrupting mercy and violence, inverting love. And if that's where you're at, um, Peter's invitation to his, um, to the folks he was speaking to was to, was to repent. That means turn around, be baptized. So I, I would just invite you as, as we're gonna be responding and in, in worship and in prayer with communion in a moment, um, There'll be opportunities to to, to just pray and respond and say yes. Um, And if that's a a, a step you're taking today, um, I would love to talk to you. Um, Josh, who was up here before, um, would love to talk to you. Um, We could pray with you. But our first mode of response is going to be in communion. And I'll, I'll invite the worship team to come forward. In communion, we remember this founding act of violence in our faith, and we commemorate um, God's violence-interrupting mercy, God's violence-inverting love, as we remember Jesus' offer, that's what God somehow did, took a violent death we caused and somehow turned it into an offering, a sacrifice, a way into life with God. And before any of it happened, Jesus offered to us a way for us to understand what was about to happen, a way for us to participate in it and find ourselves in the midst of God's story just with the simple things that were at the table, bread and the cup, he offered a way of understanding the mysterious, troubling, confusing thing that was about to happen in his death and resurrection. And so he began with the bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body broken for you take it and eat. And we will do that. And he also, um, after the meal, he took the cup. He said this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Take this and drink remembrance. Let's do that together. <coughs> Jesus, you have invited us deep inside a mystery, the mystery of your death and resurrection, the mystery of your work in the world, the mystery of how love and justice and mercy all stand together for you. Would you imprint in our very selves? Would you imprint in us that violence-interrupting mercy? Would you make us recipients of it, first of all? And as we are instruments of it, would you, or as we are recipients of it, would you make us instruments of it as well? Would you help us receive that violence-inverting love, that love that pursues, good, for reconciliation, for relationship, and, and, and likewise, Lord, would you allow us to receive that love? And for those, Lord, who may be here uh, this afternoon and are receiving that, saying yes to that for the first time, I just ask that you would, you would be generous in all that you pour out to them. We receive your love. And Lord, would you also make us instruments of your love. Change our imaginations, open our eyes, and help us see the, the ways of your love around us. So that we could experience your peace in our cities and in our and in the two of those things intertwined and common your.